I'm excited. Have you started? I've not started yet, I'll start now. You to be sure? You to be quiet, please. <laughs> Alright, hello listeners and welcome to episode 16 of Picky Bastards. Uh, it's the show where we try and get you to take us seriously um, about our taste on music, while at least two of us are always wrong about everything. <laughs> so first I'll introduce Matt, who thinks the Go Team are a good band. Hi Matt. Which, yeah. which they are. Yep, yeah. Definitely right. Team, yeah. And now I will introduce Nick, who thinks that Mount Erie are better than Bon Iver. So two idiots yep. trying to get you to take them seriously. <laughs> um, anyway, and then there's me, who's always right. Yeah. So this month we have four recently released albums, a classic album, and then I will be introducing an artist I love. So we have the recently released albums on No Names, Room 25, Mother of My Children by Black Belt Eagle Scout, a Romanticism by Moses Sumney and Hunter by Anna Calvi. And then the classic is Baduism by Erica Badu. And then I'll be telling uh, you, the listeners, and Matt and Nick, why I love Fright and Rabbit. Um, so I'm going to start with a question for Nick, which is, Nick, which album most closely matched your expectations? Well, I'd like to point out that it's actually impossible for an album to meet my expectations because, by definition, I don't know any of them. That's the point. Well... You so may have expected challenge, challenging yeah. question to start. I mean, with. you've heard of some of the I artists. Was, I have, a yeah. Bit. So I'm going to go pedantic with one that I had. Heard. <laughs> I'm pretty pedantic, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with one of the only ones I'd actually ever heard of before, um, which is Anna Calvi to okay. start off with, um, and say that this album, um, it kind of uh, was, it met my expectations to some extent, but it was a little disappointing overall. Um, I think. Uh, the best work that I've I've heard is Strange Weather, the EP she did, uh, which had like I think only five tracks on it, which is absolutely fantastic. I thought really really into it. It had a great duet with David Byrne and Talking Heads. Um, this album uh, didn't bring a huge amount new to the table from that, and um, I felt like vocally I found it getting a little her sort of t- way of singing, sort of intonation. Um, was very stylized and st- was starting to get a little bit tired. I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate this album. I'm not trying to make that point, but it was it just got um, slightly um, frustrating at times. That, that I, I kind of, kind of knew where it was going to be going. Um, I think she stylist, stylistically always wants to write. Like I feel like she always wants to write Bond themes. Um, that's why <laughs> kind of uh, that's kind of I've kind of noticed and. Um, the best one of those is called Swimming Pool on this album. Um, and I actually do like the song, um, but it is uh, it is very much in a, a vein that she's tried before. So again, it, it didn't bring anything that fresh to the table for me. Um, I think she's still, though, an excellent guitarist. She really has got some great guitar skills. Uh, I thought there was, a, there was a brilliant song, uh, Chain, quite near the end of the album that uh, was the best demonstration of that, I think, and was probably my favourite song on the album overall. Uh, it was a little bit darker and a little bit more um, of a surprise, the direction it went in compared to some of the other ones, that, as I say, were, again, it's a bit harsh to say predictable, but there was a style to them that I sort of felt I was comfortable with already and I, I wanted something a little bit new. So, yeah, that's where I'd go with that. What do you right. two think? Well, I was going uh, to get Matt to jump in second, but as you said something that really yeah. closes, closely matches what I'm going to say, I, well, kind of closely. Go for it. My second point I was going to make is that this sounds like a collection of rejected James Bond themes to me. <laughs> um, I mean, Anna Calvi's been on my list of artists I wanted to check out for quite a long time. I'd never actually listened to her. you never to heard anything of her before this, though. I've heard of her a lot, but I've never right. listened to anything. And uh, right. now that I have, 
I kind of wish I hadn't bothered. Um, it was, yeah, proper just James Bond, full-on dramatic. I think the, the opening track, As a Man, was probably the worst culprit for me. Yeah, in I wasn't that, keen on that song, that really. Respect. It wasn't a great start to the album, yeah. Uh, you're going to like this, Nick. It reminded me a lot of um, the Perfume Genius album, in that it was just <laughs> over-the-top, overblown nonsense that acted as if it had some depth when it, when it didn't. Oh, I, interestingly, then, interestingly, then, and just as a little bit of a retort, I actually thought it sounded a little bit like St. Vincent in style, and uh, that's one that I wasn't that keen on. So, but I, 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 don't, I didn't hate it as much as I think it's better than St. Vincent's. Album, oh my but, god, no! Um, but no, I, di- I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't love it. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's not better than St. Vincent. I just want to add one more thing. I want to say about it really is um, there's a song called "Indies or Paradise." Um, where I yeah. think I'm pretty certain she's saying I want us in the air in paradise as the chorus, but I don't know if anyone else. All I could hear was I want us in the air in paradise <laughs> for the entire song, and I couldn't get past that and there's nothing at all. Right. What's the problem? Par- mean, yeah, that's paradise for some. If that is what she's saying, it's a pretty odd lyric, but yeah, it made yeah. it the most enjoyable song because it, it made me laugh. So I mean, that was that was my highlight of this album. Wow, uh, that's very high praise. Yeah, brilliant. Matt, what do you reckon? <laughs> Save it. Um, so, I I liked it. I think a bit more than Fran does. Um, I'd never heard of her, which I'm surprised because no, she's um, been a Mercury so nominee she's... twice, yeah, I think, and a, a judge once or twice as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was reading that and I was just like, how haven't how she missed me by? But I I kind of liked how punchy she is, how everything's kind of dramatic. Um, <laughs> I also so he likes the drama. I, I, yeah, because I had also, I'm not tired of it by this point because it was all fresh to me. Yeah. I did write down, sometimes it gets a bit too bondy. <laughs> oh, really? So, <laughs> you're going to like, yeah. just tell me I was wrong about that. But, yeah. yeah, so did I. Um, especially, yeah, like swimming pool. And I think the chain also touches on that. Oh, really? So I think some of the, the lyrics about like the way she's talking about gender stereotypes is quite fun and playful. And I do like how... Like her really, she's got like a quite big voice, and then she has the kind of big guitars that kind of combat that. And I think a lot of the time that works. Mm. Um, but I think for me, it ends up being an album that I like and I don't love, and I'm not sure how often I'll come back to it. Okay, um, I would say I, I can see what you're saying, but I would say try Strange Weather. The the EP is, is significantly better than this. I would say, and don't listen to whatever Fran's about to say yeah. right now. Anything he says, whatever goes out of his mouth, don't listen to it. Well, I'm going to say something. <laughs> Have you finished, Matt, though? Because, you know, I'm not as, as rude as Nick, so I won't fully interrupt you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I wanted to pick up on what you said yeah, about the really. gender stereotype thing, because I think that was, you know, there's a lot of good music um, focusing on that sort of theme at the minute, and I think that was... I wanted to like it for that reason, but then I think it's not just not doing it anywhere near as well as a lot of other albums have. Like the Marika Hackman that we did on a previous... Um, podcast i think before your time matt but that was yeah that was superb yeah, yeah. sort of picking up on that theme and i think anna calvi just did it in a very like the don't be the girl out of my boy song i mean the title you're already you've just given us the whole message of your your song See, in that's three words, that's one of those i thought of the st vincent stuff actually honestly honestly right. well it sounds nothing like st vincent okay i thought it was thematically trying to cover some of the same ground you're a big st vincent fan aren't you matt what do you think to that comment yeah, yeah. I um, I prefer Saint Vincent along like a lot. I think she's much more musically inventive. Mm. Um, mm. Like, she you wouldn't get an entire song, album that sounds. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You mm. wouldn't get an entire album where like, you're aiming for Bond the entire time. Yeah. And she seems to change a lot each album. And so it sounds like Anna doesn't. So that's where that's where yeah. I draw that line. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair enough. I, but do but, you, oh, it doesn't matter, yeah. I'm not even going to argue the point anymore. I, I personally think St. Vincent yeah. and Anna Calvi have got some, some, some comparable themes they're trying to argue across this album. Oh, and they're yeah, both yeah. doing it. Uh, with sort of somewhat attempts to be experimental in their songwriting style, and I don't think either one does a brilliant job of it, in my opinion. But that's you know that's just me. I mean, St. Vincent is you know headlining festivals all over the world, album of the year in loads of uh, publications last year, and mm. Anna Calvi is writing second-rate Bond theme songs. So she had two Mercury nominations. That's <laughs> not nothing. Yeah, I'll listen. Anyway, I'll let's listen pretty, to them another time. Good. Yes. Right. Let's move right, on. Then, move on, Matt. Which album okay. was the most surprising to you? And okay, I know that we didn't know them all, but you know, you can still be surprised or your expectations still be met because you don't know it. So just tell me. <laughs> just tell him. Just get over it. Just so, tell me, Matt. I'd also written, um, I had no idea about half these artists. So, <laughs> so oh, inspired actually, Moses Sumney is what I'm going for. Um, that's. A because I thought it was a different. You thought it was by Moses from the Bible. The <laughs> oh, no, there's a there's another cover that looks very similar, which I'd heard a couple of tracks from, and so I right, thought these inside glances like from YouTube indie, today. Go the electro. <laughs> um, yeah, that is, but then that is when profound, I realised yeah. what it was, <laughs> when I realised what it was, I realised I listened to I listened to Doomed before. Oh yeah, right. Um, which I think is a really interesting track. It, it's kind of it builds in a really cool way. It has these synths. It adds this kind of warmth to his quite cold delivery. And then when I listened to the rest of the album, I found it was mostly just cold delivery and not much warmth <laughs> to it at all. Um, which was surprising to you, which matches my question. So there you go. Yes, yeah. that was surprising. And the Hi, other surprising thing I found is that. I quite liked it the first couple times I listened to it. The more I listened to it, the less I liked it. Mm. I just okay. kind of felt like, like I'm a big fan of Leanne Le Havis, and I feel like she does some of the same kind of approaches, the way she sings and some of the, the music she puts together. But she makes everything a bit more kind of just joyful in the way she does it. Um, and that is a artistic choice, whether you're going to be completely, completely depressing or completely uh, uplifting in your music. But for me, this just really just felt like he wanted to be in a room by himself, um, <laughs> away from everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I guess this like summed up by the album title, right? Uh, Abe romanticism is just, yeah. he doesn't want anything or anyone and doesn't see the need for people. <laughs> or, or, or joy yeah yeah, yeah I mean that's that's what definitely my doomed followed by indulge me so it does kind of that just kind of lonely world although he does want to make out in his car at one point that's one yeah. of the tracks yes. so yeah maybe that's with himself yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he's got no head on the album cover so that'd be yeah. difficult alright can we just move on <laughs> Jesus Nick. yeah all right, so um, yeah, so I'm I'm totally in agreement. No, I'm not at all. You're so wrong. You're so wrong. This is the best album of the six of the five. Sorry, not including the the, the why I love playlist. We'll mm-hmm. get to later. I thought this was um, this is an album that grew on me enormously. So I had the complete reverse reaction. Uh, my initial reaction was. Um, 
it's a little bit too passive and quiet to really get into and get really invested in. But I've listened to it more and more lately, and I think it's um, absolutely exquisitely beautiful record piece of recording. His vocals are obviously crazily complicated. He has a ridiculous skill set vocally. Um, I love Doomed, actually. I thought that was really... Uh, there was the best song on, on this playlist, again, not including the Why I Love, of the five the other five albums. Um, the orchestration works really, really well with his voice as well. I thought that was really great, you know, the way it kind of put the two pulled together and o- intertwined and o- laid over each other and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think it was something that was kind of snuck up on me a little bit because, um, as I say, when I first heard it, I thought, this is just so delicate that there's, there's nothing there. But actually, I think with some sort of calm time sat with it, it's kind of really become quite something that's quite affecting, actually. So, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Yeah, pretty short well, summary, but yeah. Okay. Um, well, I spent the entire month waiting for this to grow on me because I kind of thought it might, <laughs> but it didn't. Um, and I think... The final song, which is called Self Help Tape, is it? I think that uh, kind of summed up my problem with the, the whole piece. It's just really floaty and he just kind of makes whooping noises for the entire song and <laughs> never actually says anything. And I don't think I would have noticed. Well, that's some very complex lyrics on this, actually. I, I, but I don't think I would have noticed. No, I mean, just the last but... song is yeah, yeah, yeah. that he doesn't but actually have any lyrics. It's got some really complicated con- concepts. You're not letting me finish my point. I don't, I don't, I don't, generally don't like you to finish your point. I wouldn't have noticed <laughs> if he just whooped over the rest of the album because it all washed over me so much. Right. There's only one song that didn't really... Oh, no, I will say one thing, though. Is like, what you said about his vocals, you're 100% right. Like, he's an incredibly talented vocalist, but it just isn't put to the right music for me. <laughs> um, there was one song that I yeah. really yeah. liked at first, and I was really enjoying Quarrel, it's called. Yep. I was really into that song. And then I realised it really reminded me of something, and then I listened to Tinker Taylor, Soldier Sailor by Radiohead and realised it's the exact same melody... It's the exact same tune. <laughs> I gotta put that. In. I gotta think that through. I've just gotta think that through. You'll need know. to listen to the. T- yeah, we're not going to sit right. and listen while you think it through because it's a podcast and that'll get really okay, boring. Fair enough. But listen to the two together after we get off. And... Just give me ten seconds of total silence right. to listen. No, I'm joking. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm silent now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they they're almost identical. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that for a bit until I found out it was Radiohead ripoff, and obviously he's going to get sued at some point because Radiohead do that all the time. So he will get sued. Um, and then I had a massive, massive problem with the song Make Out In My Car. Um, like, is he a 17-year-old boy? It sounded like... Um, Maybe it's a song about when he was a 17-year-old boy. It sounded like it was written by Justin Bieber's little brother or something to me. It was, uh, it was just <laughs> That is worse than Enya related to Bon Iver, To say <laughs> that this is Justin Bieber related. Come on. Honestly, just that one song. It's, on. yeah. so, it's, so child- it's so weird. It's creepy. It's... It's to the point where I'm just like, he creeps me out. I don't want to make love you to you. I just want to make out in my car. It's like, what, you're like a man in your 30s or something? Like, like just... It could be a story about his younger in his life for all we know. It's creepy. It's creepy. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Is, you think it's creepy <laughs> as well? I, I, <laughs> you just I don't know. Noise. I think, I think, I, I think it's fine if you want to just like, have a quick, quick make-out session in your car. There's <laughs> <laughs> a really weird that. thing to write a song about on this, like, really... Like you were saying, it's a really cold, sort of distant album, and then he's singing about making yeah. out in this car. I, I don't know, yeah. it just freaked it does, me out. It doesn't, it doesn't quite fit, yeah. No. 
I agree with that. Creepy. No, um, I don't think it's creepy. Right, yeah. okay. Well, um, You were right, Fran. You were right. I was right. Thank you. So, obviously, yeah. right, we've had Nick's favourite. For some reason, yep. it's Moses Sumney. But yep. um, what's yours, Matt? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> wow. I think... Fascinating response. I think I'm probably probably going to say... Uh, I, like, everything moved around for me quite a lot during the time. And I think what's really been coming coming up has been No Name. And um, I think that's that's been the one I've been... Over the past week, as I've been really listening to it more and more and more. Right. And that's the one I've been excited to listen to. Um, and so, yeah, I think she's got a really interesting kind of mix of styles. She can do this kind of spoken word, but then she can also sing. And she can do this kind of rapid fire uh, rapping. But even when she's like rapping so quickly, she's still able to... I think convey quite a lot of emotion or tone that sometimes people lose when they're just going for speed, similar speed that she raps at. Um, and I think that's like most evident on uh, black black exploitation. There's points you can almost hear her hear her smiling almost and hear her laughing, even though it's kind of serious. The t- like the message of the song, she's kind of I think in black exploitation, which I think that's my favorite song of hers. She let the clips deliver the really hard-hitting messages and then let her kind of lyrics kind of fall to the back a bit, but not to the detriment of the song, just being relaxed and seeing the song as an overall piece. And yeah, and overall, I was quite impressed with kind of how diverse the music was. Like the, the, the accompaniment would change from like strings to guitar to uh, all, all kinds of... Uh, Kind of musical styles with it. Mm. I think we who were, I'm trying to remember. We were listening to is it IMDDA? IMDDB. I think I can't. Yeah. IMDDB. And we were we were kind of critical of the lack of like she obviously had a great voice, but she didn't really have the music to back it up. Mm. And I could see if she had. She also didn't have the writing skills. We, we yeah. I think as well. But if she yeah. yeah yeah. But you could you could see like. Maybe if she had some of the kind of stronger music behind it, then maybe she could deliver something mm. more closer to this. Um, yeah. Okay. Fran, what do you reckon? Well, I had mixed feelings on this album. I think you're right about Black Exploitation. I think it's a fantastic song. And I think the album starts really strongly. I think um, Self, the first, it's kind of a short intro song, but when she opens with a line, the lines about my pussy teaching ninth grade English, my pussy wrote a thesis on colonialism. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you think you know where she's going with the album and you think she's setting out a stall. And then Black Exploitation is outstanding, I think. I think it's a brilliant song. And I think um, it's really urgent, it's really impressive, and she's just got a ridiculous flow on that song. Um, but then I felt it dropped off a little bit. I felt Prayer Song, which is, a, is really lyrically very strong, um, and quite political again, but I think um, the beats were a bit weak and a flow was a bit weak on that song. And then it kind of became a problem at times throughout the album. I felt there was a few songs in a row. There was a Window, Don't Forget About Me, Regal, and and then the final song, With You. Uh, no, the second to last song, sorry. Which I felt were just a bit so- soft and a bit muddled and it didn't. that stopped it from being a great album. I think it's a good album, but it just 
falls short a bit too often for me. But then I think, just to go back to the, the song Ace, which uh, features someone called Smino, and then Saba, who we've covered on a previous podcast. Uh, they're all Chicago rappers, and I think this is just yeah. like a little celebration of how all of them have just kind of burst out recently and become really successful. And I think it's kind of that typical hip-hop story of, uh, you know, making out of the struggle, and it's a really strong song. But I think that's my probably my favourite song alongside Black Sportation, but then I think she also gets shown up a bit by Saba on that album, on that song, and you kind of see he's just a bit on another level to her, for me. Like, she's got it at times. At times she's outstanding, but at times she's just a little bit too uh, meandering for me. So it's a mixed bag for me, but not terrible. But, you know. Okay, I'll jump in. Um, So, yeah, I generally uh, really like this album. Um, I thought it was really much, very much in the uh, sort of Thundercats production model of, like, you know, live instrumentation and very lush and that in, in its production values. Uh, I thought there was a little bit of Kendrick in that as well, um, in in the style of Pimper Butterfly uh, production-wise. I thought her soft vocal delivery worked quite well all the way through and and consistently. It was um, very kind of smooth and engaging and and sort of intimate, cosy, you know, um, which I really liked. Um, I thought it was lyrically pretty clever as well. Um, and I also thought, um, just to totally go against Fran, that the, the, the album actually built up towards the better stuff was towards the end of the album, actually, um, particularly musically. Um, my favorite was um, Part of Me, which has a crazy off-time, off-time beat, um, which I thought was really, really great and reminded me of Sampa the Great, actually. I was going to ask it was the like end a little bit of a Sampa the Great, Sampa the Great um, type of thing. If we did that quite a while ago, Matt, if you may, you may have heard Matt it. recommended Sampa the Great to me. Ah, That's right, why I picked it right. for the, for okay. the yeah. podcast yeah. originally. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know it then? Yeah. Um, and then I actually thought the last few songs um, were really strong. Part of me, I, I thought With You actually was a really strong track, um, which Fran just, just slated. But... Um, yeah, so I, to me, to me, it was it was a solid album. It was um, it was a nice sort of gentle sort of way into this playlist, um, and I I enjoyed pretty much all of it. Actually, I think it was I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I don't know if it's as good as um, Saba, um, and it's, I'm certainly not saying it's as good as like Pimp Butterfly, but it's uh, it has something going for it that's that's worth checking out. I recommend people people have a listen. Oh, I agree. It's worth, it. and I don't. I don't. I didn't really want to slate any of it. I just don't. I just think some of it's much stronger than others, other parts. So I think yeah. it kind of was a bit too um, mixed for me to really think it's a great album. But it is. I, I did enjoy it, mm. and I do think you're being too will. nice, Fran. Well, you know, we've just <laughs> slated a couple of albums. We've slated a couple of albums. Um, after last month's podcast where we didn't slate anything, you know, we've, know. we've been quite. We received criticism on that. Did we? From Sam. <laughs> well, our previous Sam, guest, he was like, you can't be that friendly. You know. It's not allowed. Whatever, Sam. Whatever. <laughs> right, well, I'm going to so, go on and talk about my favourite. Yes. Um, which was the okay. this month's classic, um, Erica Badu's Baduism. Um, yeah. I was kind of blown away by it, actually. Um, I think, for me, it does exactly what we... When we pick a classic album, when we first decided we were going to do a classic album, this did exactly mm. what that should do for me and that's made me wonder why it's not been in my life a lot more and why I've why I've waited so long to listen to it um I've heard it compared to the miseducation of Lauren Hill and I think it does belong in that realm I mean miseducation Lauren Hill is obviously like phenomenal and one of my favorite albums 
But I think this is in that sort of realm, definitely. Um, and actually, we've just talked about No Name, and I think it's quite interesting to them both being on the same podcast because I think yeah. you can see that sort of Erica Badu and Lauren Hill sort of thing that's lasted for ages, I think, with people trying to, you know, just not trying to copy them but they're massively influenced by them and i think the way that erica badu mixes her genres was kind of echoed in no name um and maybe no name will get get better and get towards this level but i think um i enjoyed pretty much every song on the album but there was a few real standouts i think on and on is amazing apple tree is amazing certainly four leaf clover and then for me next next lifetime was was the absolute standout of you know this entire playlist other than the why i love at the end um like two words I'd use to describe this are delicate and smooth, which usually would be words I would hate mm. and would I would be using as an <laughs> insult, but I'm not in this case. So I think, you know, it is such a smooth album, but she's just, I don't know, she nails it all the way through. Um, it's just really consistent, top-class album, and I think it does deserve to be considered a classic, definitely. I thought it was uh, really interesting, as we're getting more through this this list of these these first five, not including the, the Why I Love the, um, how consistent some of the tonal stuff was across these five albums. I felt like there was a this this was a really mm. smooth playlist, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this album was yeah. very much in keeping with that. And absolutely agree about this connection to No Name and and obviously a thousand other people. It was very very easy to see why Erica Badu is is you know kind of influential and made a lot of waves across a lot of different musicians or you know, even even a lot long lot of time later you know so meant decades later really isn't it isn't it a couple yeah, of decades yeah, now i think it's god i don't know yeah. exactly when it is now yeah. 21, years. 21 years 21 years okay, okay. Seems Nine, yeah half your life nick yes, yes i got my age <laughs> joke in every podcast man. yeah it's very time. important <laughs> you get that down um so yeah i mean so i can it was really manifest how influential the album was i thought it was it was um you know well produced executed well i don't know that i was really moved by it that much um it, it seemed unlike um miseducation lauren hill it seemed to be more dated somehow it, it seemed to not think? be as fresh yeah. as as that and i just felt like it was very much of a, that period although i could see the stylistic ways in which people as i said have, have adopted mm. have adopted her style um, it didn't feel to me like I, I was. It looked like I was looking down a, a sort of time machine back to back twenty twenty plus years to see to hear this album. So, um, so to be honest with you, although it was fine, I can I can sort of respect what it did. I very much doubt I'll go back to it. I, I, I'd be very surprised if I if I listened to it again. It just seemed seemed to do what it said it would do. I wasn't surprised that it was important because everyone's always told me how important it is. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. Wasn't moved by it. So you know, when I asked you which one would most closely match your expectations, mm. you just said that this completely matched matched your expectations. So ah. <laughs> should we re- should we start the whole yeah, podcast again? Start again. Let's just scrub. I just all want that. to keep pointing out yeah. that my questions Refresh. were good questions. Oh, they were amazing. Your questions. They were good questions. Brand. You should be really impressed. And with your you questions. Well done. Just failed. Congratulations. Round of applause for Fran. Yeah, yeah I'm still not convinced. <laughs> all right. What do you reckon then, Matt, of this one? Uh, I pretty much the same as Nick. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed listening to it a lot, um, but there were, and I can see exactly why it's a classic, uh, but there are certain elements that were a bit too much for me. Like, um, I'll start with a negative. Uh, they're more kind of slow jam songs for me, mm. just really were the ones that stuck out as being being of a different era. Like, uh, they, they just... Uh, Seems slightly overwrought in the specific style they were in, like Next Lifetime. The best, um, best song on the album, I mean. But 
Yeah, the best song on the album. Yeah, yeah not into it. One. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Best, <laughs> best one on the album, yeah. yeah. That's the one. Um, but I did... Overall, though, it, yeah, you can see how much of an influence it has, just specifically calling out some of the stuff that we've listened to on this. Um, mm. Like, George, Georgia Smith, obviously, yeah, yeah. just taken all of the whole playbook from this. And uh, even uh, Janelle Monet, who was collaborating with The Coop that we listened to, you can see that she's heavily influenced as well. Um, um, and the the other thing I thought was interesting to listen to, like a specific song, was uh, which I enjoyed the most was the other side of the game, just because oh, yeah. the back the back of us listening to other classics like from Nas and from Biggie, it was quite interesting to hear kind of a different portrait yeah. of um, kind of what was going on. Um, this kind of idea of the impact of the the hustle on family life. Yeah, that's and a really good point, actually, because I enjoyed that song, but I hadn't like tied it to the other albums, and actually, that yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, good point. Matt. I also well, I tell you, hold on to this moment. Really Matt. Interesting. I just complimented you personally. <laughs> just really take a moment. I'm keeping it all in the bank. <laughs> um, but it was it was really interesting the way it finishes because she actually, after almost scolding uh, like her other half for not being there because he's out running around. Yeah, she actually finishes with saying she gets it and she understands mm. and this is just the way it is. And I just found that really yeah, kind of an interesting point of view to hold. Um, but yeah, things are complicated, right? And so you can't you can't just uh, be all kind of I guess all against it. Yeah. When society's all fucked up as well. Mm. That was it. Was yeah, it was it was cool. So I like that one a lot. Right. Um, but. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll come back to it, well, to be honest. I will. I started a few songs. Put them in a, I'll put them in a playlist. That'll do me. Cool, cool. Just while right. we're talking about how influential she is, um, I just wondered if either of you have seen the sort of um, very popular meme about Erica Badu that goes around. It's, it's called um, Rappers Before and After Erica Badu because she's dated... Um, Common, she's dated uh, Andre 3000, and several others. Yeah, and there's just yeah. This, thing, this thing on Twitter where they've got pictures of them before where they're all dressed in the Adidas and the, the little Kangol hats and everything, and then they've been out with Erica Badu for two years and suddenly they're all dressed like the yoga teachers or like the... <laughs> no, 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 it's it's worth a look up just to see the, uh, see the whole thing. It's amazing. That's pretty great. So, yeah, we're, we're checking that out. She's obviously influential in many ways, but, yeah. Great album, yeah. I thought. All right, so we've got one left, I think, of the normal list, which yeah. is uh, Black Belt Eagle Scout, Mother of My Child. Matt, do you want yeah. to start, start this one? Oh, have I not started one? No, you haven't started one. Go for it. Yeah, okay. go for it, friend. Yeah, I mean, this was, I thought, um, really interesting to listen to after I've looked back at some of our previous playlists. I think these were both for you as well, Matt, where we covered um, Soccer Mommy's Clean and JSOM's Everybody Works. And I kind of saw this in a similar vain but when i say it reminded me of them i think more that this album should be the blueprint for what they were trying to achieve huh. i think yeah. um kind of it's like a real simple album really beautiful really beautiful songs um changes in genre a little bit throughout like they both did but i think black belt eagles out really nailed it i think um and it is the simplicity of it that i think really works i think i mean she's got a really interesting backstory which i'm hoping matt is going to tell us more about because I think he knows more about it than I do. But um, I think each song stays on target, stays on track, and, and she changes it up between the songs. But um, I think kind of 
each one sounds like a well-constructed, you know, whole, whereas maybe with some of the ones I was just comparing it to, that didn't always happen. Uh, and also, I think just the lyrics are quite um, abstract and complex in, in a little way, even though the music's simple. But then even though they're complex ideas, some of the songs are just a, a refrain repeated, like the opening song, Soft Stud, she just keeps uh, repeating, need you, want you, know you're taken, which is kind of simplistic, but the way she delivers it just makes it really meaningful, I think. So I think, yeah, I think it's a really strong album and I think um, there's a few really great songs and Soft Stud, the first one's one of them, Keyboard's great, Yard's great and, and a few others. I thought it was really strong. So, yeah. Uh, Shall I jump in? Yeah, sure. Go for it. I, uh, I have kind of a weird sort of reaction to this album in a way. So I'll say that the first song, Soft Stud, which I think uh, was a single, I think, um, yeah, really yeah. drew me in um, early on, and it was really because it was so much in the style of Breeders slash Belly from the nineties that I really got into that like sort of relentless beat, but not like played really hard, and then the kind of distortion, but very controlled distortion. It's like boxed off, you know, um, like musically. I yeah. thought that was that was kind of cool. After that moment, the album sort of seemed to tail off for me initially. And everything seemed to be, again, it's in, the, in keeping with this whole playlist, it feels like, very mm. soft and mellow and chilled to the point where I, I couldn't... I sort of felt like it had lost a lot of its, its enthusiasm. But actually, after, as I've gone through over the course of the last month, um, I almost want to flip that on his head, honestly, and say that, to me, Soft Stud is the song that doesn't fit with the rest of this album, and that's not a great thing for Soft Stud. I think Soft Stud is... is too much the single, too much like the the sort of, I don't want to say it's not a pop song, but the, the more chartable, mm. sellable song. And the others where there's more yeah. delicacy and intricacy are kind of concealed behind it, kind of, kind of, kind of behind a wall of it, you know, and that's, that's, that's unfortunate. Um, so actually I like the album um, in both periods. One, I, first of all, I just like the opening song and then not the rest of it. And then later on, I like the rest of it, not the opening <laughs> song. So kind of flipped so uh, on its head, like really. It all, don't you? But That's overall, yeah, overall, yeah. No, I, I don't dislike the album overall, but I, I do think that choice of that single going as well going first was um, a difficult choice for them to make, I'm assuming, because they were trying to make an album that would obviously get some traction. Mm. But I don't know if it was actually the best thing, musically speaking, for them to do. So that's kind of where I sit with it. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I, I agree in a lot of ways. Um, like, I'd heard Soft Stud. That's why I, I put the album, uh, suggested the album. Right. Um, but like you, I actually prefer a lot of the rest of the album to Soft Stud. This, I think she does a really nice job of kind of having this comfortable level of sparseness in the music. Yep. Um, and and kind, of, kind of balances it quite nicely between not too much in but not leaving it to the point where you get something like a Moses Omni and it's just <laughs> empty and despairing um, and despairing. actually I got a more I got I got quite a Yeah Yeah Yeahs vibe from it like maybe second album Yeah Yeah Yeahs okay. um, Golden Lion cool I'm really ballad um, end of the scale for was, Yeah Yeahs but I see what you're saying you, roughly you, yeah. you two will yeah. have to uh, debate that yeah. yourself because I don't know it but okay um and then, yeah, I was just also like, there's nothing really groundbreaking about it, but um, I'd, I'd compare it to something like maybe Julian Baker. Mm. Um, and she, like, she's doing very well at the moment. So I can imagine, like, see this maybe picking up. This style of music is kind of out there. And 
a lot of people are really into it. But to me, it's uh, like a, a like as opposed to a, a love, like most of these albums, to be honest. Uh, um, I mean, I think it's an outstanding album. I really do think it's an outstanding album, to be honest. I think you two are both underplaying this album. I think it's really, really strong. I... I I like it a lot. I I, I, I'm only talking about some intricacies of the way they put it together, but I, I don't dislike it. Yeah. I wouldn't say outstanding. I, it, most of some is outstanding. No. Yeah. I think <laughs> this is the, maybe the most likely that I'll come back to. Yeah. But that that doesn't necessarily mean it's outstanding or that I, I love it. It's not like Idol's good. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, it's not Idol's good. I mean, that's not... Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's hard to make a comparison between this album and Idols, though, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> In almost any front. Yeah, yeah. They're both music. Yeah, that's um, Yeah, they make sounds with drums and guitars. Yeah. I did like um, I Don't Have You In My Life. I thought that was uh, that was one of my favourite songs. And I, yeah. also because if trying to make the album sort of coherent in my own mind, it was slightly, slightly more like Soft Stud than the other al- on songs in the album, but still kept that delicacy. So... Um, it had a little bit more aggression to it. So, yeah, anyway, just wanted to mention so that. I thought I keyboard was great, but then I wondered if it was only called keyboard because it had a keyboard on it. I couldn't quite work out. Yeah, that would be a keyboard. mark against it. Well, it's a weird thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> Guitar would be the name of a song, and then it's just... Yeah. That, I was, but it was, I think it was Singing. a great song. I just got confused by the name. <laughs> That's just my weird little point. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that very profound think... comment. If, we're, if we all say our favourite songs, mine's Just Lie Down. Is it's got that crazy start where she's like really angry, yeah, just yeah, yeah. firing drums, and then it gives way into something that's a bit more like she's obviously still angry, but it's still quite poised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I really, actually, I agree with your like the lyrics. You that what you're talking about with the lyrics, they're all quite simple, but it is so it's abstract enough that it can apply to you can read it and apply it to whatever situation yeah. you're you're in. Um, do you, so do you know much quite... about her story then, Matt? Because I thought you were. Because I, I thought maybe you did because you chose a book. Well, I, I, I know she's uh, like a Native American. Mm. I know she's been li- lived on a reservation and been like, kicked around a little bit. Um, and she's um, been a victim of gentrification. In, yeah. Uh, she used to live in Portland, I think. And so she's had to move because of uh, like where the economy is these days. Um, yeah. But beyond, I, I know she, yeah, I think she wrote this when she was having a lot of bad things happen. Yeah, well, this is what I was, um, yeah, because it was kind of all, she'd lost, when, lost a partner, hadn't she? A partner had died, and then she'd moved, like you said, she yeah. had to move all of a sudden, and all the three things happened in the space of, I can't remember what all three instances yeah. were, but they all happened within the space of the, like six the, months, the, and I think that's the, where this came from. So I think the, the, it was also when the pipeline was going to be built, Right. which might, oh, I, th- yeah. I don't know where that is, but it's going to be built over um, an Indian reservation. And mm. and then some of the, like, uh, sacred lands. Yeah. Um, so she had a lot of people protesting there, a lot of mm. her, her people. So Yeah, 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 right. yeah. That's, yeah that's what I read. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. But I mostly picked it because i would never listened, knowingly listened to a Native American artist, and I thought it would be interesting. And mm. I think it was. It, was. it certainly was. It was. I agree with that. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. All right. So uh, cool. we've gone through our five. So uh, was this playlist, how does it stand compared to other playlists? I know last time we had a lot of very positive things to say, so maybe it's yeah. not at that level. Well, it's kind of, it's weird because the way we've done, it's worked out with recording. We've actually recorded these with like two weeks in between them. So in the shadow of the last playlist, it doesn't, 
really stand up, does it? But I think it's a really interesting playlist, actually. I think, yeah, you know, a lot of the albums, I'm not, you know, even Moses Sumney I did find interesting. The only one I didn't find interesting was Anna Calvi. The others I did find interesting, at least, and um, in a good standard. And I think, yeah, it was, it's like you said, though, having a playlist where actually things were really relatively similar throughout yeah. the album. I can't get over that. It was the most yeah. weird, surreal, like somebody put it together for like smooth yeah. evening, yeah. you know? It's like, like you'd play it in a jazz bar, wouldn't music. you, where someone's drinking cocktails. And <laughs> so it was sometimes hard to get past that mood for yeah. me. Um, yeah. If we'd had idols in the middle of it, that might have been interesting yeah. for something yeah, to wake yeah. us up a little bit. You know, but, yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Matt, as a playlist as a whole? I think it was, yeah, it was good. It was, it was one of the better ones we've listened to as a whole. Um, but there was, I don't think there was any album that really just um, grabbed me in any way. Yeah. Like all of them got my attention, but none of them like threw me all the way in. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's move on to uh, The Wild Love. Fran, yeah. You're going to introduce right. Frightened Rabbit. Frightened Rabbit. So a little warning first, people. Um, if you tune in usually for a bit of witty old man banter and uh, two of us abuse each other it might get a little bit deeper for for a few minutes um and that's because it's impossible really for me to talk about frightened rabbit without mentioning the devastating circumstances that the band find themselves in this year um i don't want to go on about it for too long but i think it's important to to mention it so scott hutchinson the singer songwriter and like the fulcrum of the band really sent out two tweets on the 8th of may this year the first said be so good to everyone you love. It's not a given. I'm so annoyed that it's not. I didn't live by that standard and it kills me. Please hug your loved ones. The second one said, I'm away now, thanks. He was reported missing on the 9th and his body was found on the 10th. So, I mean, I spent that day in bed in tears and I know a lot of other people did too. Um, one of the saddest things about that for me was that 10 years before that, they'd released a song called Floating, on, Floating in the Fourth, which is on... Um, the Midnight Organ Fight, and that saw Scott sort of fantasise about ending his life in the way that he eventually did. Um, and for me, that just showed how long those thoughts had been in his head, and that just felt really, really tragic. Um, but that's all I'm going to stick to for talking about the actual really depressing side of it, because before that happened, that song actually felt like a really hopeful song to me. It was a song about sort of leaving your darkest moments behind. And uh, there's a line, well, throughout the song, at first he says, I think I'll save suicide for another day. And then it's, I think I'll save suicide for another year. And it's kind of him talking himself out of his depression, I think. And I think that felt really hopeful. And Frightened Rabbit really are a really hopeful band. Um, you know, Scott wore his mental health struggles on his sleeve. And I always really admired that. A lot, a lot of his songs were about getting through those struggles and, and moving on. Um, and that's what made me fall in love with this band and uh, and with, with Scott in particular. So as someone who's struggled with different levels of depression and anxiety and since my teens, really, at times, uh, Scott's songwriting made me feel kind of normal. It made me feel OK. It made me feel helpful. And uh, the songs throughout the back catalogue, they're examples of this, but I'm going to stick to the ones I included on the, on the playlist. So there's Modern Leper. Um, this is the most open song about depression I've ever heard. I think, um, talks about, but it also talks about having other people in your life and how that can help you through. There's the song Keep Yourself Warm, which again talks about having a connection with other people, but how only the right connections really give you hope. 
And there, there's, so, there's a few more songs that do that. There's The Loneliness and The Scream, and there's a song called A Lick of Paint, which finished this playlist. Um, then there's other songs like Nitri- Nitrous Gas that talk about accepting your own mental health issues and just finding a way through them. So there's a line in that which is, uh, if happiness won't live with me, I think I can live with that, which I think is particularly powerful. Um, so all these songs talk about community, they talk about human connection, they talk about reaching out for support. And for me, that's what Frightened Rabbit represent and also what they've come to represent even more strongly since, since, Scott, since Scott's death. Uh, so I'm not much of a fan of social media in general. I think it's a nightmare, but um, I'm in a Facebook group called Frightened Rabbit Recognition. And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because since he died, it's been the most sort of amazing place to be. So you see people every day supporting other people through mental health crises on there. There's a couple of admins there who've become like therapists to 4,000 people who are in the group. And they're just, you know, they, they're available for people to talk to, to send messages to. Uh, we've seen thousands of pounds raised for suicide prevention charities. You've seen really good friendships formed and you've even seen one couple get together who are now posting photos of each other regularly. Uh, which is kind of mad. Um, there was also a campaign through that group where members of the group were going out and sticking um, messages of hope on regular suicide, suicide spots across the world. And actually, we've heard stories of people seeing those messages and you know coming back from the brink, so pretty amazing. Um, there's been a woman making these um, crosses out of jewellery, you know, making jewellery, that's got a cross that's on the front of one of Frightened Rabbit's EPs. And she's been selling them for charity and has made tens of thousands of pounds. And then there's um, some other stickers that a guy's been sending around to everyone to stick up in places that say, they've got the line from Head Rolls Off where he says, make tiny changes to earth. And again, made thousands of pounds with that. And and that line, make tiny changes to earth, has become kind of a mantra for, for fans of the band. And people are doing all sorts of positive things. So personally, I'm planning a sponsored walk and on the anniversary of his death. And also my own personal tiny change. The week that he died, I picked up a guitar after um, 34 years of saying I was going to learn. And I'm now, you know, progressing pretty well. So, yeah, so the impact of him dying has been huge. And I know I've talked a lot about that and about him as much as I've talked about the music. But really, you can't separate the two because it's a band that is formed around this guy and his... His lyrics, his amazing lyrics, his amazing story. And that's why I sent you guys a short playlist of videos to watch because I thought they might give a little bit of a sense of his personality as much as the music. Has that playlist been up on the Twitter as well, by the it's way? It's not been yet, but I will, I will put it up afterwards, yeah, great, definitely. Yeah. So within those videos, there's one mm-hmm. of Modern Leper and there's one of a song called Snake, which I think show, you know, the man at his yeah. best, his funniest, while also showing that even when he's funny, he, there's always that sadness sort of hanging over him. But I'm going to move away from that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the music. Um, Scott's the only one I've mentioned so far, but they're an immensely talented band and they'll continue to make music in some way or another, I'm sure. But um, the band's changed members quite a lot over the years, but Scott's brother Grant has always been a constant on the drums. He's an absolutely outstanding drummer and he makes the best drumming faces I've ever seen in my life. If you want to see some drumming faces, then (laughs) watch some more of their videos. Um, But the big thing for me as with many bands that I choose to introduce on this podcast, is the lyrics. Um, so I've asked you guys to pick up a pick up a couple of lyrics, and I'll, I'll come back to you once I've told you if they're my favourites. So, so Midnight Organ Fight, the, which I included the whole album on the playlist. I'm sorry, guys, but I just couldn't move anything. Um, 
that came that album came to me while I was just getting over a really bad breakup. And so one line that stuck out to me was from Good Arms versus Bad Arms, and it's the line, "I am armed with the past and the will and a brick. I might not want you back, but I want to kill him." Fantastic. Um, for the same reasons, almost the whole whole of the song, "My Back Was Walk," gives me tingles. The lines, "I'm working on my faults and cracks, filling in the blanks and gaps, and I'm working on erasing you. I just don't have the proper tools." And then I think the song head rolls off. There's not many better opening lines than Jesus is just a Spanish boy's name. How come one man got so much fame? It's brilliant. Um, Mm. Loneliness and the Scream is a song about um, the theme of depression again, but there's the line, the scream to fill a thousand black balloons with air, I think is a really, really resonates with with people who have known what it's like to sort of struggle. Um, And I'll just finish with a beautiful line from the song, I Wish I Was Sober, where he... It says, uh, free pour the fruitless for, it's far too late to speak so much, but, and it kind of just ends on that ellipsis, which I think is very clever. But anyway, I've spoken forever. I could go on for longer, um, but I won't <laughs> at this point. Um, I don't know if you guys want to start with some of the lyrics you've picked out, or if you just want to give me your thoughts on the band or anything that I've spoken about, and uh, and we'll come back to the lyrics after. Who wants to go? Matt, why don't you go? Um, okay. Um, well, I, first of all, I just want to say, like, Lyrically, the that entire analogy that he uses for Modern Leper and just the entire yeah. song lyrically is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I looking at some other ones, like I I really like, uh, often like the punchline of a song, um, mm. and so the like the refrain of it takes more than fucking someone to stay warm. Yeah. Brilliant. Which he echoes forward over and over again for keep yourself warm is such a simple sentiment and the the use of like of swearing in it as well just kind of emphasizes the emotion behind it i think mm. um in a really kind of is simple but it's it's very very effective which i think underlines a lot of what he does yeah um and over, overall i just i haven't listened to these guys since i did a midnight organ fight yeah um, for no particular reason, I think just uh, there was a lot of indie rock at that time, and this is one that fell by the wayside. And I really, really enjoyed going back to listen to this and then expand mm. beyond that. Um, and seeing, like you're saying, seeing his, I like didn't realize how charismatic or I expected yeah, yeah, him yeah. to be a super depressing guy. But watching the videos you sent me, especially Snake, yeah, um, which Snake is now. My new favorite frying rabbit song. Um, <laughs> it's a funny it's so story goofy. about Snake. I'll go into um, more but, at the end, but yeah. Um, but the, how charismatic he is while he's telling that story is just yeah, is is great. I re- yeah, I really enjoyed uh, getting back into this. Brilliant. You reckon, Nick? Uh, yeah, so um, I think uh, I'm very very pleased that I got to get into this in general, and I'm very very pleased which is why I asked about it, that Fran put the YouTube videos together as well to see um, because they gave me uh, a sense of the performative nature of this kind of music and the mm. effect it was having on people around him. Uh, I was not familiar. I'd heard the name of the band and that was literally I had no familiarity at all with this band until now, uh, except for the the dreadful story, of course, that I, knew, I heard about in the news earlier this year. Um so the the the, the videos were um, particularly the keep yourself warm video from that YouTube playlist yeah. showed two sides two things really to me I mean the song itself was, was is very strong and lyrically very very clever 
It showed the, the devotion of his following um, as he pretty much every single person in the room sang every single word and he to the point where he didn't really sing much of the song himself. He, he pretty much let it let them take it over from him. And then secondly, the look on his face as, he, yeah. as, they, as they sort of took that over and, and his, his attempt to kind of reconcile himself there. You could see, you could, I felt, maybe I'm speculating, I am speculating, that he, he kind of was trying to wrestle with that that kind of, in, in, that's an intense experience to have a hundred people in a small little venue, a hundred people shouting your lyrics right at you as you're trying to do the song. It, it must be a strange and surreal thing. And it was, the video is, is very well, very well captures that. And, and it, it was, it captured a really good song, you know? So obviously he's a, he's quite a songwriter. Um, it's, it's a very, he's very, he's very open. He's very honest. I'll come back to open in a minute, but he's, he's very honest. He's very concise um, and and the and the songs are very um, are not dressed in a lot of complex intellectualisms that don't need to be there. Um, he really drives at what he needs to get to, and he, and he does so uh, very very successfully. I actually personally, although I'd, I'd liked all the band stuff, I personally prefer the solo performances um, a bit to a bit to the ones the stripped back performances. I, I should say yeah. to, to the ones with the full band. Nothing against any of the band members, but it, when it's that intimate uh, an experience of listening to him talk about these these stories with such um sort of openness um I, I feel like it was it was hard to listen to anything anybody else in that conversation but me in my head you know listening to him coming to me as it were so that that was kind of just a preference really in terms of lyrics um i really struggled with this cuz um there's a lot of lyrics that that were really good but i actually wanted to go with one that's i'm afraid is is quite harrowing but i think it's necessary to be open about it as he was open about it, you know? So there's one from Flowing on the 4th. Um, the door shut, shutter was vacuum-packed, shrimp-wrapped out of air, and the spine collapsed and the eyes roll back and to stare at my starving brain. And um, it's a totally viciously harrowing image mm. that he draws, um, but one that um, he is dry, he's forcing me, as I was listening, to confront that um, that idea uh, and, and therefore, I felt like I, I didn't want to sort of not to go to saying against either of your com- or your quotes, but I don't want to go against that the weight of what he was trying to push. You know, I want to go yeah. with something. You know, so to me, that was one that leapt out of me as just something like, "Wow, he's he's willing to go there. He's willing to say this," um, and, and that's that's incredibly bold, incredibly courageous. Um, so yeah, and it's such a, and then the actual lyric is such a sort of amazing overlay of like something mundane and something very visceral. The air the door and then the, his, his own air as, as in his lungs, you know? So anyway, it, it's a, it's a great piece of writing and it's a, it's an incredible, bold, brave thing to have, yeah. for him to have done. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was very moved. And I think that's the big thing with him. And I think what you say about the, um, you know, enjoying the stripped back versions is not a rare thing actually. It's, mm. um, but I think that's what a lot, a lot of people love about this band is that they can write the songs they write and they can be good as they are. But then also you can Scott, catch a Scott show when he's touring on his own or he's, and they can be just as good. You're right. not missing anything by that. But I think I just want to pick up what you're yeah. saying about the lyrics because there's a couple of other lyrics actually similarly to that one that you pointed out, Nick. There's one in um, the song Yes, I Would where it's, I wonder if they'd notice if I'm not around, the loss of a lonely man never makes much of a sound, mm-hmm. which again is him obviously thinking forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the loss of a lonely man never makes much of a sound. Well, I mean, I've never seen such... A sound around someone after they've passed, yeah, and I think it's it just kind of shows the sadness of such a intelligent, witty person writing such open stuff, but actually not in the end being able to 
pull himself back from it himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's sad, but yeah. I think it's what's really amazing for me is to see the reaction that has happened and that people are actually holding on to it and making keeping the music alive and actually recognizing the happy side of it. And that's why I'm going to try and end by talking about Snake because yeah, this is a <laughs> Snake is kind of um well, it's one of those songs that the video that I showed you where where he he kind of describes it all the way through. He talks about how there's a line about them driving back in wheels and how that's what they used to call the car, him and his ex-girlfriend, and how the song's all based around a draft excluder that she bought for him and that he tried to travel to New York when she moved there to take... And he just went there with just this draft excluder to try and win her back and show her how much he loved her. And um, and then that song became like a cult song for Frightened Rabbit fans, you know, like a creep for Radiohead or any of that kind right. of thing, to the point where for a long time he wouldn't play it and you'd get every time you went to a Frightened Rabbit gig, you would have people screaming out Snake in between every song. Right. And eventually that video, which unfortunately doesn't have the start bit on and I couldn't find it with the start bit, right. is him just saying, do you know what, fuck it. And he just launches into Snake, <laughs> which is, you know, it's a silly song in a lot of ways, but it, it kind of sums him up for me. It's the it's the side of him that I think people should remember. It's the happy, funny, kind of really lovable guy who he, he said in an interview just two weeks before he died that he has six out of seven good days and one bad day. Mm. And I think those six out of seven should be the ones we sort of stick to. And I see what you've done yeah. when you say that, but I will say you really threw me through a loop with putting Snake at the start of this playlist. Yeah. It really was difficult to get traction on what on earth was going on until yeah, yeah. I got through Modern Leper and then I, I sort of had a better sense of what yeah. the rounded person was. And I um, thought that would be the case because yeah. it is it's so out there and not, it's not the same as any... I mean, Sing the Grey is the first album that's off is, is not... And I think this is a common thought. It's not anywhere near as good as any of the rest of the albums. It has some highlights... Right. But Snake, I couldn't, I couldn't make a, as a massive Frightened Rabbit fan, I couldn't make a Frightened Rabbit playlist without putting Snake on. Yeah. And I was yeah. trying to do it chronologically, so <laughs> it kind of had to go there. Uh-huh. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a yeah. anomaly. But I hope once yeah. you've seen the video, that kind of explained yes, it a bit more it did. to you. It and did. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Wow. Brilliant. I mean, thank you for letting me talk about them because it's been a big thing for me this year and it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a big thing to talk about them. So. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, good stuff. All right. We're going to talk about, we're at the end, we're going to talk about the next yeah, one. Let's go to the next and one. The next one's... Um, a bit of a, a bit of a twist and turn again, isn't it? We've got another yeah, guest coming on. We'll be having a guest next time. So why don't you two tell us what um, what you'll be? So I'm going to just make just one pick. I'm picking uh, Julia Holter's Aviary. Matt. Okay, and I have Jerry Papers like a baby. Like a baby. Like a baby. I love how you delivered that. Like <laughs> it took baby. like ten minutes to say it, and then <laughs> and you said like... it really creepily. <laughs> um, anyway. And then we've got, well, we've got a guest next time. It's one of my friends, a guy named Mike Hull. He's uh, got the most impressive record collection I remember seeing, so I invited him on. Um, so he's, well, I've chosen... His record collection is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I will say, yes, absolutely. So I've chosen Tom York's Suspiria, which is a soundtrack to the, the horror film, and then uh, we've let Mike make the other three choices. So he has chosen as his recent release, Me Without You, and the album's called Untitled. Uh, next month's classic will be Reminder by Feist, and then... Mike will be telling us why he loves Tago Mago by Cam, which is apparently from 1971. So, wow. There you go. I've oh. heard of it at all, got no, to say. None of us have heard of it. Have you, you heard of it, Matt? Nope. 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 So, I think I've got something to look forward to there. Very so. strange. Sounds cool. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. Nice. All right, then. Right. Thanks to everyone, then. See you next time. See you next time. Bye bye. bye.